We're on a series called The Give. December's about giving. It's uh, the birth of Christ, and, and the greatest gift that could ever be given was Jesus through to us by the Father. And so we're in this series. Last week, we talked about the gift of a second chance. And how many's glad God's the God of a second, third, fourth, and fifth chance? Amen. Anybody besides me needed those? And, and uh, God's the God of a second chance. And we talked to you about that gift last week. And today, I want to talk to you about the gift of... And let's look at it, total. say total. The gift of total freedom. Total freedom. Jesus said, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. That's complete. And I want to talk to you about that today. Get your notes out. Let's get right into the Scripture. I want to share many things with you today, so we're going to go kind of quick, all right? To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my Disciples, a lot of controversy out there today. Who's a Christian? Who's not a Christian? That's easy. The Bible answers that. If you follow the principles of God's word, you are. And if you violate those, then you're not. Very simple. And Jesus speaking to his disciples and said, if you follow my teachings, then you're really my disciples. Then you will know the truth. What is that? The truth is the opposite of the lies that many of us have been letting the enemy tell us. But when you're my disciple, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Watch this. They respond to Jesus and answered him saying, do you know who you're talking to? We're we're Abraham's descendants and we've never been slaves to anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? They're they're like, you don't get it. We're we're in a covenant blessing here. We we don't need deliverance because we've never been slaves. And Jesus, what they did was they excluded themselves from the conversation And Jesus pulls them right back into it when Jesus replied and said, Verily, truly, I say to you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Every one of you that's got an area of your life that you continue to struggle with, that that Satan keeps coming and bringing that area back up and back up and back. Anybody identify what I'm talking about? That just keeps bringing that. He says, then there's an issue going on that you need to be delivered from. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family. There, there's no ownership. There's, no, there, there's nothing that's promised because I'm not yet in that family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I want to help some of you today and talk to you about this thing called total freedom because God's ultimate desire and plan for you and I is not just to be free from part of the world to struggle with another part of the world the rest of our life. God's ultimate plan is to help you and I to come into a place that we do not continue this pattern of failure in certain areas, but we find the true freedom that God has made available to us that we can now reach our greatest purpose and destiny and joy in life. Ephesians, put it like this in Ephesians 4. He says, in your anger... Do not sin. Anybody besides me still get a little ruffled every now and then? Okay, it's all right. Jesus did. He turned over tables, all right? But don't sin. And what does that mean? How many knows every time you get angry, you make a choice? Come on, help me in here just a little bit, okay? Every time I get angry, I now have to make a choice on how I'm going to deal with this. So he says, when you get angry, make the right choice. Don't sin. Do not let the sun Go down while you're still angry. What he's saying there is get resolved before you go to bed at night. Get it fixed. All right, don't don't go to bed angry. And do not give, here's what I want to talk to you about today. Here's the whole message. 
Do not give the devil a foothold. Circle that in your notes. Do not give him a foothold. And here's what I want you to get. We've always identified this scripture with us that don't give the devil a foothold. And if you've been stealing, don't go steal anymore. That's not what the scripture, that's totally out of context. He's saying when you no longer give the devil a foothold in your life, he who has been stealing from you can't steal from you anymore. That's the proper context of the scripture. And when you and I understand what Jesus is really saying here, he's saying once you identify these areas, we're going to talk about them, and you stop giving the enemy that foothold in your life, he can't take what's rightfully yours any longer. He can't take what God has made available to you. In Joel 2.9, it says that they rush upon the city. They run along the wall. They climb into houses like thieves, circle thieves. They enter through the window. Too many of us are going to bed with our spiritual windows and doors unlocked. Our emotional doors are still cracked and unlocked. We're not safe. We're leaving an opportunity of Satan to sneak back in and his systematic schemes of entering the doors and windows of our life with those same areas that we continue to struggle with over and over again. The Apostle Paul said again in 2 Corinthians, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. The Message Bible, I love it. It put it like this. After all, we don't want to unwillingly give Satan an opening for yet more mischief. We are not oblivious to his sly ways. And, and I want to talk to you about it today because uh, the fact is many people in the church are still unaware of Satan's continued schemes in their life and they fall prey to him. And I'm going to explain that by showing you three areas that Satan throughout his entire existence has only operated through three areas of attack. Only three. That makes our job as pastoring a little more simple because whenever people come to us, we just find out which one you're dealing with. There's not a thousand areas of attack that the enemy uses. From his existence, there's only been three. And, and one of the things about Satan is he's not very creative. He just keeps doing the same thing over and over. We're just not getting it. And so we fight the same fight over and over again. And so I want to bring an awareness to you today of this pattern that Satan uses repeatedly Within three areas only, three areas of attack is all Satan ever uses to bring destruction in our life. But we're going to bring some knowledge to many of us today, and we're going to walk out of here and go, ain't happening no more. Okay, about seven of us got that, but okay, I'll preach the seven. We're going to walk out of here today, excuse the English, but it just ain't happening no more. I'm getting ready for some total freedom to happen in my life. Come on, am I, am I with the right church here today? All right? And so let's go there. Get your notes out. All right, and so in 1 John chapter 2, we see the three areas of attack. There's only three that Satan uses, and we're going to go over them very quickly. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love for the Father is not in them. For everything, say everything. everything. Here's every attack Satan has that he brings against the body of Christ. For everything in the world is this, three things. Number one, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Three areas that Satan, every attack Satan has comes within one of those. Every one of them. Now, let's keep going. It comes not from the Father, 
but from the world. These three areas, the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God will live forever. Here they are. Get your notes out. The first area of attack that Satan used to destroy and to bring us into bondage is what? The lust of the flesh, which is our passions. Our passions. And the Greek word there for passions is appetite. That he attracts us through our appetite. He attacks us through our appetite. You, you, the, the whole thing is that I want to make my body happy. So I'm going to go over and have this sexual escapade to satisfy the body's craving that I want to make my body. No, that's not my wife, but I, I got some things going on. It's just an emotional thing. It'll never be physical. Anything emotional becomes physical. No, it's not my husband, you know. Or, or, no, I, I, I've got to have that, you know, that dozen Dunkin' Donuts, you know. It's just my body. I just got to make my body happy. One's okay, but 12's not. But isn't that the lie of the enemy? If it feels good, do it. Can I tell you, my feelings will get, make bad decisions every time. And the enemy comes and he attacks through the lust of our flesh. People today, they live by the old slogan, if it feels good, do it, regardless of what God's word tells us. Well, pastor, you just understand, it's how I'm made. Or pastor, it's my personality. It's just the way that I am. No, God created us in the very image and likeness of his son, Jesus. And so everything about us, when it's lined up with the word of God, is going to exalt and glorify Jesus, not take us away from the principles of his word. That was good right there, and I got one amen from Sister Gladys over there. Thank you for showing up. That, that your world cannot develop around how I feel. It must Line up with the word of God. Amen. And the enemy wants to come and attack those passions, those appetites in our body. Feelings will always create an appetite to draw you away from God. And most often the lust of the flesh will identify with something sexual. Pornography, fornication, that's sex outside of marriage or adultery, sexual activity with someone other than our spouse. Anything to get you to give in to an appetite that goes against the principles and truths of God's word. And listen, it will rob you of God's purpose and destiny in your life. Now, I know it's quiet in your day because I'm preaching where the world wants to take you. And I know it's not politically correct, but I don't give a flip. Just. <laughs> the Bible says, and if what I'm doing goes against that, I'm giving in to make my flesh happy, and I'm violating my relationship with God, and I will in my relationship as a disciple. It's good preaching. We haven't even took it up an offering yet, all right? Number two, the second area is the lust of the eyes. That's our possessions. Satan attacks the lust of our flesh. He, he comes in there with those passions, those things that make our body happy. Got to satisfy my body's cravings. But then he comes with the lust of our eyes, our possessions. The motto is, I want it all, and I want it all right now. We live in a society that has been taught to value debt right now. I mean, it's almost like you get an award if you're in debt. 
I mean, it's like that's the thing to do is be in debt. You know, I, I want it all. I want it all right now, and I want somebody else to pay for it. I don't want to be responsible for my decision. Somebody else bail me out. And, and we, this is the whole attitude. You know, my, my introduction or interpretation of debt is this, is debt is buying things you don't need with the money you don't have to impress the people you don't like. <laughs> and guess what? If you don't like them, they probably don't like you either, and they ain't going to help you pay for it. Because it develops this thing called greed, and greed is a demonic appetite that says, I want it, I want it now. I don't want to have to work for it. I want somebody else to provide it for me. And the lust of the eyes wants you to truly believe that things and possessions will make you happy. And they don't. I love having a car that cranks. I like having a house that has a good roof on it. You know what I'm saying? I like wearing clothes that don't have holes all in them. I, 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 I like having good things. I like being blessed. I love hunting. I love fishing. I love having a boat. I love things that God has blessed me with, but they're not what makes me happy. And Satan wants to get you caught up on thinking that getting more is going to make you happy and bring fulfillment in your life. And let me just throw this 30-second uh, announcement in here. Mamas and daddies, don't go out and put yourself in mega debt to get a two- and three-year-old gifts under a Christmas tree that don't even know you're giving them anything. Good preaching right there. All right, if you want to save yourself some money, go get your neighbor's box out of their garbage can that their kid's toy came in and give the box to your kid for free and have a good Christmas. I, yeah, because your kid will play with a box more than they will the toy. Come on, tell me I'm not telling you the truth. And just send your neighbor a thank you card. Amen, all right? But you got to understand the enemy wants to attack our eyes. He wants to get us, I want that, I want that, I want her, I want him. Ooh, we preaching in the house today. Got my youth pastor stomping the floor on the front row. Yeah, my eyes, my eyes, I want, I want, I want, I want. I want that house, I want that car, I want that gun, I want that boat, I want, that, I want, I want, I want. And I think that'll make me happy, no? That isn't happy unless your passion's all wrapped up in him. Because only God can make you happy. And then there's the pride of life. That's our position. Three areas. Every attack the enemy brings comes under one of these three. The pride of life, our position, when we think too much of ourselves. Boy, it and I becoming a key word in society today from sports figures to political authorities. I mean, I, I, I'm going to fix the world. I'm going to change America. Good luck. Because I has never done it and I never will. But we the people. When we come back to a God that created us and has purpose for us in unity, we can change our nation again. Yes, we can. When it's we, not I. And, and the pride of life, listen, the pride of life is the one area of attack that God not only dislikes, he opposes. For the Bible says, I oppose the proud and I give grace to the meek. You don't want God opposing you. But the enemy wants to come in and, and get this whole idea that, and, and aren't we all guilty if we're not, you know, if we're honest about this, we start getting things in order in life and the, the job's going well and the income's doing good and the bills are paid and the wife's not mad and the, the kids are even coming home on time and the dog don't even bark at night. And I mean, we're like, this is cool, man. I've, I'm doing pretty good right now. I, I've got this down. And when it's all going chaos, it's like, you, 
And when it's all doing good, I. And that's why we lose it so quickly because we unconsciously gave in to the scheme of the enemy. And so there's the three areas. Here they are, the desire to feel, to have, and to be. One preacher put it like this. It's called PMS, power, money, and sex. <laughs> I said, that really ain't what that means, brother. That's, uh, evidently, you're single. Okay, but uh, <laughs> every married man in here, well, amen, if you're over 50. All right, okay. But let me show you the pattern biblically. Look at the biblical pattern. I've got to quickly do this, but I want you to see it in the Bible. Look at Eve. Look at these three areas of attack. Even with Eve, the first attack shown in the Bible, when the woman saw, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for the food, appetite, passion, and pleasing to the eye, possession, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, pride. Because Satan said, you'll be just like Jesus, just like God if you eat of this tree. She took some and ate it. She made a choice. All three areas of attack of the enemy was given at one time against Eve. And she gave in to it. We see it in Jesus. Remember when Jesus was uh, on a 40-day fast? And he came out of that fast? Here's what happened in Matthew 4, verse 3. The tempter came to him and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to be what? He just came out of 40 days of fasting of no food. Where does the enemy attack him? In his appetite, his passions, the body, make the body happy. What Satan was telling Jesus was, look, if you're really a son of God, why don't you turn these stones in, in, into a funnel cake with some white sugar on it, man? <laughs> Come on, Jesus. Let's do this thing right. He's attacking. What was he doing? He was attacking his passion, his appetite. And then he followed up. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. What he was saying there was, you got the power to call the angels of heaven. They'll come and rescue you and you can tell the world, I'm the man. Ego, pride. He's trying to see if he could get Jesus to fall to that attack of pride. And then the third, he said, again, the devil took him to the very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said, I will give you all of this. How do you give the man something he created? <laughs> all this I'll give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Possession, lust of the eyes. He was trying to get, he wanted to see if he could find greed in the heart of our Jesus. Same three areas he attacks you and I. Every time, every attack the enemy brings against you and I will fall under one of these three categories or all the above. And so I want to talk to you today and try to help you to understand how do we, how do we prevent this. I want to give you some preventative medicine today. Is that all right? Because how many has found out $15 for a gym is a whole lot cheaper than fixing a heart that was never used and made to work? Okay, and so I want to help some preventative medicine. And for all three areas of attack, God gave us a weapon to use against it to not fall into the scheme of the enemy. So here they are very quickly. Number one, the first area of attack was what? The lust of the flesh, our passions, our appetite. And to fight that, God gives us this thing called integrity. Integrity. Now, let me explain something to you. Now, I'm, I'm not covering all the scriptures because of time, but I've given them to you on the notes, okay? So take this home and just go through it again. But integrity, but many of us have misunderstood this word integrity because in the context here, 
We, we say, what's define integrity? Well, somebody of good moral character, you know, uh, you know just character, character, yeah. That's not what the word integrity means. The word integrity is a, a word that deals with numbers. And, and the, the word integrity, it, it means a whole unit, one, integral. It means one. And to fight that passion of my flesh and my appetite this is what the word integrity, this is what God gave us, is that we're to be people of integrity. That means we're to come back and be one person, not one person with three masks. Okay, I'm at church, so do the church person. Oh, it's Friday night. Let's do the Friday night person. Oh, I'm at a hunting camp where no one knows me. Hunting person. I'm on vacation where nobody knows me. We can do whatever we want. And that's when the lust of the flesh and the passions of my appetite destroy me. It's when I'm no longer one person, but I'm trying to be many faces and one. And integrity comes to the point that it's not about being perfect. It's about being honest. And the word integrity here means that I become honest with myself that I acknowledge that, yes, I'm a pastor of a church that I love dearly. Yes, I'm a husband of a beautiful wife that I will never violate my, my, my covenant with her. Yes, I'm a father of amazing children and grandchildren. Yes, I get to stand up here in the honor that I have to speak the word to you every week. But I'm going to stand here and tell you, I've got issues. And I'm still working them out. Amen. And so do you. Boy, it got so quiet in here, like, really? If you don't think I do, talk to her. No, don't talk to her. You'll never come back, all right? I'm not out in known sin, but I'm still a human being. And here's what integrity means. Integrity means I'm going to quit trying to live three people, and I'm going to become one and be honest about the one that I am. And where I am weak and I'm vulnerable to those passions and appetites of my flesh, I've got to find a partner that I can confide with. And I'm going to just talk to some of you right now. Because if you don't have someone, everybody just look at me for a second. Because integrity is not being perfect. Integrity is being honest. And you will never overcome the lust of your flesh unless you're willing to take your mask off and have at least one person in your life you can talk to other than Jesus. That's why we push small groups so heavy here. That's why we're not doing a big night and bringing 400 people in a church that'll see 200 for a New Year's night service is that I want you in homes and small groups and building relationships and laughing and, and talking to people because there's some bondages in your life that you're not going to free yourself from by yourself. You've got to have somebody you can talk to. And you can confide in and go, look, man, I'm a Christian, but I'm battling some. I'm, I'm dealing with some. Look, I've got to take this off and tell you I'm hurting right now. I'm struggling right now. It happened to me this week in Miami with my grandson when we got some reports we didn't want to get. And I've prayed as hard as I've ever prayed in my life. And the reports came back the very opposite of what we were looking for. And I walked out in the hallway and called one of my pastors. i got three pastors that are accountability partners to me. And we just pour and cry and scream and yell and quit on each other. Every, you know, I mean, it's just people you got to have in your world. You can be as low as you can be, and they're going to respect you tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? And I just called a couple of them. I said, you got to help me right now because I'm mad. I'm angry. I don't get it. I can't find him right now. And, and I was ticked off. Angry. But don't go sin. Don't go make a bad choice. 
And if you don't have somebody in your world that you can spill that out on, odds are you're going to make a bad one. Come on, are you with me here today? And so integrity is not being perfect. Integrity is being honest. And being honest enough to get some people around you, that's why, ladies, you need to connect with our women's small groups and our women. Men, you need to connect with our men's small groups and our men's ministry. Young people, you need to connect. you, you got to get into these atmospheres that you can build relationship because life change comes through relationships. Number two, and, and let me fill in the blanks down there to overcome, to, to win this thing in integrity, declare yes to God and no to the devil. Just make one declaration, yes to God, no to the devil. You're not winning any longer. This area of passion, this area of appetite, this area of my flesh, God's in control now. I'm not married, I'm not sleeping with him or her anymore. Oh, Lord, pastor, you did not go there. Yes, I am, because that's called fornication. The Bible says that fornicators will have their place in the lake of fire. That's what the Bible says. You, You can argue. Just telling you what the Bible says. I love you. You can keep coming to church here, and I'll pass you, and we'll play ball and fish and hunt together. But that's just what the Bible says. And I can't change that. I, I can't change if you're going to go out and be one life on Friday and Saturday and come to church and be the great Christian. No, that's a mask. God's saying, let's get some integrity in there. Be one person that's got issues, but deal with the issues instead of trying to be three people. And get some good godly friends around you to help you. I'm glad I'm in a grace church. How about you? I said, I'm glad I'm in a grace church because I don't care what you're dealing with today. You're in a safe place and you can be as bad as you can be and we're going to help you through today and tomorrow. Amen. We're not here to point fingers and judge because I got some issues and I need you to help me with mine. And I'll help you with hers. You know what? We'll just work out our own salvation with fear and trembling all together. Let's just make it to heaven together. Amen? Amen? Number two is generosity. How, how do we overcome the lust of the eyes, the, 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 the lust of, of, of this thing called possessions? How do we overcome that? It's going to sound weird, and I've got to go quick here, but generosity. You see, what prevents one from giving into the demonic systematic attack of possessions? Generosity. Every time we give, we break the attack of materialism in our life. Satan wants you to focus on get, 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 and God just wants you to focus on give, 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 give. Because when I give, I'm destroying that attack of possessions that I have to have. No, I get to bless. I get to be a part of the blessing instead of just the receiving. God, that's that's the heartbeat of God. For God so loved the world that he gave. That's why God's not in love with anything in the world because he gave the greatest gift to the world. You see, we're never more like God than we are when we give. When you prioritize, I want you to stay with me, and if you're a guest here today, don't go, oh, there's one of the money-hungry preachers already. He done got on that money stuff. You're in probably the church that will talk the least about money than any church in this country. We don't take 14 offerings and take 30-minute offerings. We believe in the tithing principle, but I'm going to preach you the word today because I want you free. And the way you defeat the attack of the lust of the eyes and the want of possessions is when you learn the principle of generosity and giving. And I'm going to share some things with you and show you scripturally. In Genesis, it tells us, but I don't have time, but I want you to read that there about Cain and Abel. But here's what I do want you to see. The greatest way to prevent and defeat the area of attack in your life of possessions is to learn how to give the first fruits of your life to God. 
Because Jesus asked for how, what percent did Jesus ask for from us? Ten. A tenth, right? I want to show you something. I want to share something with you. The tenth is not that God needs your money. He's got streets made of gold. I don't think my check's going to make that big of a deal. You know what I'm talking about? He doesn't need your money. Tithing is not about your money. It's about your heart. God asked for a tent just like he did with Adam and Eve. That test in the garden wasn't about the tree. He just wanted to know where their heart was at. And it's the same with mine and yours. When we learn to give that tenth, we're telling God, you're the first in my heart. You're the first that I give to. This church, every dollar that comes in this church, when you give your offering today, our financial staff, the first thing they do is take a tenth off of whatever comes in this offering today and we sow it into other ministries. And that's why the blessing of God continues to happen in this church. Almost 30% of every dollar that comes in this church, we give away immediately. Why? Because we understand the principle of generosity. It destroys, and that's how we got this building. Through giving to other ministries, we couldn't buy this building. The bank wouldn't even talk to us, and a church in New Jersey wired down the cash and bought this building for us. We paid them right back, but we didn't have the money then. And, and we're looking at a, a, a 60,000 square foot facility right now on 10 acres. We don't know God's plan on it yet, but we're doing due diligence. And you know what? If that happens, that's God too, because we don't have the money. But we have been sowing. So I'm looking for the miracle. I'm just, you know, because it works. Let me, let me show you about the tenth. The tithe is a test. Watch this now. Just help me here. The tenth, right? Everywhere you see a test in the Bible, you will see ten related to it. Watch this. How many plagues did God use to test Pharaoh? Ten. Ten. Come on, help me. That was not hard, okay? All right. How many commandments are there? Ten. Ten. How many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? Ten. Ten. How many times was Jacob's wages changed to test him? Ten. Come on, that was four of you. Help me now. This is not that difficult. Just stay with the system, okay? How many days was Daniel tested? How many virgins were tested in Matthew 25? How many days of testing mentioned in the book of Revelation? How many disciples are there? No, it was 12, but that was a test. It's a test. What I'm saying to you is this, and get this for me, help me here today. When, when you hear us come up and we teach about tithing, we don't preach and beg for your money. I don't need your money. This church does not need your money to pay our bills, by the way. We're not in debt. We owe, this building is almost paid for. We live a very simple life here at this church. We run this church financially just like I run my finances at home. We live within our means. We don't need your money today to pay our bills or to pay salary. We thank you. Your giving allows us to do that already. But here's what I do want. I want your family blessed. And I want you to shut the door and the window of the attack of the enemy that's coming against your family and stealing God's blessing in favor that's already yours. And you do that by giving God his tenth. And we not only do it by giving him our money, but guess what? When you came to church on Sunday, you think it's not important? You're giving God the first of your week. And he watches that. And when you come and you wake up every morning and you give God 15, 30 minutes of prayer time and worship time, that's the first fruit of my day. And God honors that. 
And, and when we, we're going to start in January, on January the 3rd, on the first Sunday, we're starting our 21 days of prayer and fasting where we're going to meet here every morning at 6 o'clock. And this building is almost full every day with people coming in here and we're giving God the first fruit of our year. And then at the end of January, we're going to bring our first fruit offering. It's all about God wants to know, where do I fit in your life? And when you show God that integrity, you show God that generosity, we shut those doors that the enemy's been coming in on. And last of all, you with me? Let me fill in your blank. Give God the first of everything. Give God the first of everything in your life. Your generosity is shown in the priority of what you do with your first. And then last of all, the way we overcome and we defeat, all right, that pride of life, that pride of life is humility. Humility. The greatest antidote for pride is humility. I was reading a little article in a store when we was in Miami, and it just like, bam, it stood up to me. It said, a man on his face can never fall from that position. That'll preach right there now. A man on his face will never fall from that position. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking about yourself less. That I realize that my life is not just about me. My life is about the people that God has put around me today that I can have an impact, that I can make a difference. Going into the hospital with little Jabin for our guest, our little grandson's been diagnosed terminal, not to get into all of that, and we're going through a very difficult time, two years old, and we were in Miami's Children's Hospital this week, and I'm going in, and this woman had her little baby, a little infant. She was just bawling, crying, her husband's standing there, and, and, and it, we were seeing that everywhere. And, and I stopped, and I tried to talk, and they were Spanish. And obviously, we have an issue there, and because I don't speak Spanish. I wish. I can count to 12, and that's it, you know? And, uh, and so I'm trying to talk to her, and, and then I said, I'm a pastor. And she got it. She said, oh, pastor, pastor. She said, Jesus, Jesus, pastor, Jesus, Jesus. She was saying, pray to Jesus. Now, we had an English issue, but we didn't have a God difference. And I'm going to tell you, man, we, I knelt down and we prayed. We prayed and we prayed, man, and we prayed for that healing. And, and what I realized right there was, man, the, the gospel bypasses culture. It bypasses language. It by, all she had to hear was pastor or Jesus, man, and let's pray. And I'm going to tell you something. When you start coming to a realization that life isn't all about me, and I'm going to enjoy it, but I'm going to bless a whole lot of other people with it. And we've got to come today and realize that when we grab hold of these three gifts, every one of them is a gift. When we grab hold of these gifts that God has made available to us, we will defeat every area of attack that the enemy is trying to bring into our life. Here's your answer. Develop a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. And I challenge you, if you're not doing that, to do it every day. Have a moment in your morning to just spend with God. If it's five minutes, if you're not used to it, ten minutes, just to talk to God and just thank Him for your day. Give your life to Him through that day. And I challenge many of you, to start fasting in some way, something that you love. Give it up for a week or two weeks and, and give that time to God and, and let God begin to really do things in your life. Humility, that I become less, that he might become more. That it's not about me, it's about how many people can I impact because I'm a firm believer in this and I close, is that every day of my life, 
There's a divine connection that God has already set before that sun ever rose. Every day of my life, I look for that connection. Every day, intentional, I'm looking for who is it that I'm supposed to minister to today. It may just be a prayer, maybe a meal, maybe a hug, whatever. But every day of my life, I can't lay down at night if God hasn't used me to impact somebody's life in a positive way. Let's come back to realize that church is not about us only, though it's about us. It's about us making a difference in the lives of others. And when you start shutting other people's door, it'll close yours. And the enemy can't come in and destroy you any longer. You receive God's word today? Amen. Come on, let's receive God's word. And so here they are. For passions that the enemy wants to use against us, God says, let's get some integrity. For the possessions, the lust of the eyes, let's become generous. And when that pride, that attack of our pride comes, let's just become humble. Let's let God reign in our lives today. Father, I love you today, and I thank you for the honor to speak to these amazing people today. And I pray that your word will be more than just a message today, but it will be life. It will be life, God, to hearts today that might be struggling and lives today that are battling, God, that the enemies come, Lord, to bring destruction in their life, to steal their purpose, to make bad decisions. And we're not here today to judge, God. We're here to embrace with your grace because all of us have sinned and come short of your glory. It's not one of us in here righteous. No, not one, your word says. We all have a need of a Savior. And so today, God, I pray over those that are here that might need to make that decision with you today. And if you're here right now and you say, Pastor Dan, I'm hearing you today and and I get this message and I don't feel judgment today. I don't feel condemned. I feel like somebody really does care about me. And I want to take that mask off today and I want to acknowledge that, you know what, I've been giving in. I've been making some bad choices and I'm ready to make right choices and good decisions and and watch the blessing and the favor of God begin to flow in my life. And I just want you to pray for me today. While every head's bowed, and I'm not going to point you out, I'm not going to come to you. I just want God to see your hand, first of all, and I just want to pray a prayer for you. If that's you right now, and you say, today's my day, I'm ready to give it all to Jesus. Will you just lift a hand right where you sit, and you can put it right back down. God bless you. Hands going up all over this building right now. God bless you. God bless you. If you raise your hand or you did not, and you need that decision to be made in your life today. I want you to pray this prayer with me. And we're going to pray it with you so you don't feel alone. And I want you to mean it in your heart. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you now. You said in your word, if I would just come to you, confess with my mouth that you are Lord. Believe in my heart you raised from the dead. I can be saved. So right now, I come to you. I confess with my mouth, that you are Lord. I believe in my heart that you raised from the dead. And I receive you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, according to your word, I'm saved. I'm a brand new person. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, there's about 10, 15 hands raised. Come on, let's give God thanks and praise for everyone.